Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. We're back for the second time this week as we're going to be discussing transfers with the transfer deadline now just one week away. Alice Gold joining me as ever. Ali, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay. We had this kind of grand plan where we were going to start to try to do two podcasts a week, where we're going to do a longer one really delving into the match at the start of the week and a shorter one, I guess, in the season looking ahead um, in the transfer window, the plan was to talk about the multitude of transfers <laughs> that would have taken place over the course of this week. However, it's Tottenham Hotspur, so this will be a pod mostly talk about what could happen because Spurs are still at the uh, mercy of the clubs circling around them, uh, some slightly interested in their players, some not. Um, so yes, this is going to end up being a, sh- a shorter pod, but one really kind of trying to delve into what might, could, and we hope does happen in the days ahead. Yeah, so it's far outgoings for Tottenham now this summer. Uh, one was confirmed yesterday afternoon with Troy Parrott joining Excelsior Rotterdam of the Eredivisie on loan for the rest of the season. He joins Joe Roden in heading out on loan. Obviously, permanent exits have been Harry Winks and Harry Kane. And with a week to go now until deadline day, uh, the window closes for business at 11pm on Friday, September the 1st. Spurs have an awful lot to do uh, over the next seven days. Uh, Really, really need to get motoring in terms of outgoings or else it could potentially be looking like a very uh, hectic transfer deadline day, the way it's going at the moment. Exactly what Postacoglu didn't want. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I I did a piece yesterday where I used the exact quotes where, let me see if I've got it to hand, because it is so exactly the situation what we don't want to ha- what we w- don't want to do is have it all happen late in the window which means we're caught short in any area well Ange, it has happened that way we are now in the final week of the window and yeah troy parrot's gone out on loan and actually troy parrot doesn't even affect the numbers does he because he was on the under 21s list any or 20 it's it's called the under 21s list but technically includes players that are 21 in that year doesn't it so okay. Yeah, so Troy Parrott going out. I think I actually saw people on Twitter like celebrating the news. Hey, one's out the door. It's like, I couldn't even be bothered to tweet underneath. Actually, it doesn't really make any difference to the numbers. But I won't ruin the fun. Um, And now I have. Yeah, it's... uh, I mean, as I said in the piece I wrote, if anyone wants to look at it, it there's a piece on football.london kind of detailing why it's all gone very, very slow. And the thing is... Every club's fans all think that everything is exclusive to their club and everything that's happening there is the worst in the world and it's what happens. What I would say, and people know that we're very happy to criticise Spurs when things go wrong, and there's plenty you can criticise about the scenario of why they have these players still at the club years on. Absolutely. You can look at the poor recruitment. You can look at the poor selection of managers, which has meant this mishmash of a squad that is really built for about four different managers. And that absolutely is an issue of why they're trying to have to get so many out the door. However, what I would say is it is an issue that is affecting quite a few Premier League clubs now. Um, And the reason really on the whole is wages. is because the Premier League wages compared to wages on the continent is such a disparity. And the issue then is getting players who are very well paid 
out of the door without some kind of financial recompense in terms of a I don't know a payoff kind of fee or if you're doing a loan what kind of percentage the loan club takes and that's where unless you've got this kind of you're part of this Saudi exodus at the moment where honestly the clubs that are getting the money for this must be rubbing their hands in glee because it must be the solution to so many issues whereas typically at Spurs the players that Saudi clubs have looked at the ones that either Spurs didn't want to let go or in Harry Kane's case, he'd already made up his mind where he wanted to go. Um, you know, I'm sure that somewhere Daniel Levy is going, please come in for Tongi. Please come in for Tongi. <laughs> I'm sure he is somewhere. Because <laughs> Tongi must be the, I suppose with Hugo Lloris, they must be the two highest earners they're trying to get off the wage bill. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm sure there's probably someone um, on Spurs' behalf currently going around all the Saudi clubs uh, saying, I've got this list of players. Anyone I can interest you? You could kind of imagine him like a traveling salesman <laughs> opening a briefcase. I can do you a Tongi and I can throw you in a Jed Spence as well. How does that sound to you? Um, because quite frankly, Spurs are at the mercy of all of these half-interested clubs right now. And I guess some people would say it's... I suppose some people would say it's karma, I suppose, because this is the way that Spurs have often approached transfer windows themselves. They've waited until the last minute with certain deals, hoping that the selling club becomes frustrated um, or concerned that they're not going to be able to sell the player and do the last bits of business that they want to do, and then they've swooped in. So I guess there is a certain amount of irony that pretty much every club is currently doing this with Spurs with their players. Um, because let's be honest, when you signal to the world that players are available for transfer, when they're not even in matchday squads, when the fans refer to them as deadwood fodder, whatever you want to call them, I think it's quite clear that they might be keen to get rid of these players at any price, pretty much. Um, so yeah, you've just got clubs now waiting to see how desperate Spurs get in the final week. And yeah, it I, I, it was never really going to happen the other way. And, and look, we, we get it. We see people on social media all the time saying, just sell them, just sell them, get rid. I've seen people saying, just let them rot. That's the other one. It's like, sorry, you let someone rot on 200 grand a week <laughs> sitting there in the sidelines. Yes, Spurs are you know, a club that have got more money rolling in because of the stadium, but can they afford someone that is going to cost them like about a million pounds a month just sitting there doing nothing, not registered to play any football whatsoever? I'd imagine not. Um, they've got to try to get them off the books um, in some capacity, even if it is a loan where the loan club pays 40% of their wages, let's say. Um, it's, yeah. It's, I think the problem, the frustration, is definitely comes from the fact that it happens so much. I can understand where the frustration comes from with the fans because it feels like every single transfer window you and I are talking about this scenario and it's the same players every time, which again, I can only go back to the recruitment and it just shows how poor recruitment has been that you're talking about players that yeah, aren't really particularly in demand by that many clubs elsewhere. I do think there's a stigma to it slightly if you failed at Spurs in terms of that sounds really weird but you know what what I mean is that let's say Chelsea if you're a Chelsea player and it hasn't worked I think a lot of clubs will look at it and go well yeah but Chelsea win loads of stuff and they've got a squad with 76 players in it yeah let's go in there and take some of their players that they don't even realize are that good whereas maybe when they see Spurs finish you know eighth in the league and they don't want players 
and they're probably thinking, yeah, well, maybe they're not actually that good. Um, and and that's maybe the issue. It's it's there's less of a luster around Spurs players than than maybe someone from Chelsea. Um, but yeah, they've got to get moving because as much as we don't want to hear it and the fans don't want to hear it, it is all tied up in on uh, with incomings and incomings are reliant on outgoings and it's not a financial thing. It's to do with the squad numbers. Guesty, take it away. Just for anyone that hasn't heard it, explain exactly why squad numbers are so important right now. Yeah, I will do in a minute. One thing I just want to say is, obviously you mentioned wages, problematic given obviously other clubs in Europe can't afford to pay anywhere near the amount clubs in the Premier League can. One issue, another issue is uh, the length of contract, really, uh, for Tottenham because you've brought in players on long contracts they've obviously uh, not hit the ground running they've struggled and now you're in a situation where you're looking to either send them out on loan or let them leave permanently and I mean this situation could carry on for another couple of years in terms of you know player X player Y if they're not impressing if they're not taking their opportunity because there's not going to be a buyer there and I suppose it comes down to you, you know you might be better offering players contracts where you know three years maybe four years absolute max but then again when you look at it from a player's perspective I suppose well they might be able to go somewhere else where they can get five year six year contracts and they've got this guaranteed money so it's a bit of a, a difficult situation and I suppose I mean take Chelsea for example I've no idea how that's going to play out for them over the coming years when they've been offering players like seven-year contracts, eight-year contracts. I mean, look at Tiamoe Bakayoko, who was there. He must have been signed on a five-year or six-year contract. I think he's only just left this summer. He seemed to have spent every year out on loan for the past four years just because it it didn't work for him. So, yeah, whilst wages aren't helping uh, Tottenham out, the length of contract certainly isn't as well. But, you know, you can understand it. Them offering long contracts. They see the players as, you know, a huge part of the future going forward. And unfortunately, it's just not turned out like that. But uh, getting back onto the squad numbers then. Right. You know what? Just before you launch into that, only because it's like breaking in a way, um, Alfie Devine going to Port Vale. Okay. Just just. Just been messaged that as we're on the pod. So there you go. So that's felt a little bit like Sky Sports Newsy there, didn't it? <laughs> Wanted to look at their phone kind of thing. Uh, yeah. That's a good move. I don't know, that's, that's just about right for him right now. League One. Um, well, League One, aren't they, Port Vale? Yeah, yeah. Port Vale, League yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the, I think that's the kind of level they seem to like to send the kind of 18, 19-year-olds at just to not thrust them into the championship and the, the glare too early, let them develop slightly lower. I think that's a great move for Alfie. I was thinking with Alfie, could have been Bristol City as a replacement for that Alex Scott. So I think he's gone to Bournemouth, uh, obviously play for uh, England on the 20s alongside each other. I think so. Oh, really? Because he's one of his best mates. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about we were talking about him out on the uh, the tour when I interviewed Alfie, and I was tempted to go like, "Have a word with you." <laughs> like, it wasn't very professional. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, Pop Vale's a, a good move. Should be plenty of opportunity to uh, play week in, week out there. And I suppose 
like Spurs have done in the past when they've sent players out, they can review it in January and then maybe recall them and then send them elsewhere. Uh, so, yeah, getting back onto squad numbers then. Right. Once the transfer window's closed for business, uh, Premier League clubs have to submit a 25-man squad to the Premier League for the forthcoming season. Up to a total of 17 of those 25 players, uh, non-homegrown, and then the rest can be made up of homegrown players. There's a separate list for players who are 21 and under. Basically, I think it's this year, if you were born after 1st of January 2002, you can be included on this list. So helps top them out massively with Destiny Adoggi, Papi Matassar, Dane Scarlett, uh, being in, included on that list. And, and as things stand, this is even with Troy Parrott and Alfie Devine moving. Tottenham, are, they've got 31 players over the age of 21. So we're at a situation now with one week to go. Ange Postacoglu, Daniel Levy and the club need to move on six players, basically just to hit this 25-man mark. If they don't move six players on, then that unfortunately means some will get left out of the squad. This is nothing new at Tottenham because it's happened in the past in terms of the European squad, but the rules do slightly differ. Not going to bother going into that as obviously Tottenham aren't in Europe this season and Obviously, you're just getting yourself into a, a massive hole because, because of the different rules. But yeah, as things stand, Tottenham at minimum need to move six plays on. But we've got a list of plays here. Could be about 10 plays here who could potentially move on. So yeah, an awful lot to do. No, it really is. It's incredible. And this is the thing. It's as we're going to talk about in, over the course of this, it's like. Spurs are linked with various centre-backs, but how do you bring in a centre-back right now when you've got th- five centre-backs <laughs> in your squad? Um, and, I, and I definitely can understand why people get frustrated and say, oh, yeah, yeah, but bring them in and then sort it out after. It just doesn't work like that because you just... You just Can you imagine having players just sat there unable to play any kind of football? And, and like I say, the financial side, when we said earlier about it costing almost a million a month, let's say, for one of those... Let's say if, I don't know, Lloris or um, Ondebele were to stick around and not be able to be registered, yeah, that's one player. If you end up with like three, four, five players, you just the drain. And, you know, and people want to see transfers. They want to see money put towards transfers. But if that money is going towards players that are sitting there doing nothing, then it's just, it's just it is throwing money away. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy that they allow themselves to get into this situation every single time. I mean, you look at it, it is. It's Kane, Winks and Roden are the only ones that have actually gone out of the squad. You could argue if you wanted to throw in there, Lucas Moura, obviously, end of his contract. Uh, Dan Juma and Longley's loan ended. So yes, at the moment, there's six less players, but then I suppose you could also argue on that Winks and Roden weren't even at the club last season anyway. They are both out on loan. Um and yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like you say, so you need six just to balance your books going out the door. <laughs> um, I suppose you could argue, and we'll talk about him briefly in it later on, someone like a gift or ban doesn't affect your numbers anyway. It goes on that under 21 list. So yes, if they desperately wanted to move for him and were happy with the price, you could get that done and it doesn't really affect anything else other than adding to a big wage bill that hasn't been cleared, I suppose, if they're looking at it from financial terms. My feeling is is that when it comes to like a transfer, 
incoming wise, I think maybe one move starts a domino effect if there's a bigger one. I don't know if loans particularly do it. My thinking is maybe Hoybier, if let's say Atletico Madrid were to seriously kind of come in with a, a proposal that actually kind of was, was enough to entice Spurs, then maybe Hoybier going starts to actually kick off some proper activity. Um, presumably, you know, we know they'd probably have to look at a midfielder to to come in to replace him. I don't know if it would be a direct replacement kind of midfielder, whether it would be someone a little bit different, maybe a bit more attacking. Um, but I do wonder whether that would be the case. And the Hoybier situation itself is quite interesting because you have... A player who, let's be honest, despite whatever some Spurs fans were criticising for, he has probably been one of the more consistent, well-known Premier League midfielders in recent years. And that in itself, I think, allows you to set a certain price tag for him. He's you know, Danish international, um, performs very well as well on the international stage. So he's not a guy that you really should let go for free. However, oh sorry, not free, for cheap. But however... He also is in the final two years of his contract. And if you don't sell him this summer, then you have the scenario once again in a year's time where he is one of these players in the last 12, 11 months of his contract. And then suddenly, can you get anything for him? Does he sit it out and get a free transfer at the end of it all? Um, This is the issue that Spurs keep getting themselves into. That um, they... Maybe that's the other part, as well as recruitment and the mis- uh, the constant changing of managers, meaning a messed up squad. Maybe it is also giving contracts, when they give contracts, how long they give contracts for, and maybe not, um, how, what's the word, uh, rewarding players at the right times with new contracts. I mean, it may be that it's out of their hands. Maybe players like Harry Kane have not wanted to sign a new contract at that point. Maybe that's what it is as well. So it can't be all their fault, but definitely it just feels like they get this into this situation with too many players. And as I mean, we looked back, didn't we, on a podcast months back at the Champions League final team that Spurs had. The amount of money they got for a team that reached the Champions League final is only now boosted by Kane. At the time, when we did that podcast, it was actually it wasn't a few months back because it was after Winks went because we said it was Winks for 10 million and Ericsson for about 20. So they got 30 million for an entire Champions League. There was some nominal fees like Sissoko for 3 million and little time Alderweireld for 2 or 3 million. But yeah, Kane has pretty much helped that with his kind of 100 million coming in. Um but still, I think that is a good indicator of how Spurs just are unable to to sell properly and at the right times. Um, yeah, I guess people could argue maybe they got as much as they possibly could for Harry Kane, but then other people would argue, did they really have to? <laughs> did they really have to allow that situation to happen in the first place? But um, yeah, so I suppose it's time to dive in there. I suppose we started with Hoybier. Hoybier, what do you think will happen with Hoybier? I think he'll still be at the club come the start of September. It's, it's uh, very possible. Yeah, very. Uh, I think looking at it, it seems to be Atletico seems to have a few financial issues. So whether or not they can finance this move remains to be seen. There was talk the other day of Rodrigo de Paul heading off to Saudi Arabia uh, for around 30 million euros. But 
reports from Argentina the other day suggested that he's spoken with Diego Simeone's boss at Atleti and he's staying now. So quite where Atleti now get this money from to, uh, you know, make a move for Hoybier come to fruition. I don't know. From the player's perspective, he needs to be playing week in, week out. Uh, I mean, ever since he joined Tottenham three years ago, he practically started every single game and he's uh, been on the bench uh, for both Premier League games this season. Came on against Manchester United, played the final 15 minutes, thought he performed well, uh, looked tidy on the ball. I think you need that experience in there. So for me, I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't be against keeping him uh, because all it takes is one or two injuries and, you know, you could be short in there. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But, I mean, if you're selling him, you want a good fee for him. It's just quite whether Atletico can offer the uh, sort of money Tottenham want. But for a player of Hybieg's quality, I wouldn't be looking to sell him on the cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, as I said, I, I don't think you can. I, I think it sends out quite a bad message as well to the, then when you're trying to get the rest of the players on the books. It really does ram home that message that we just need to get rid of anyone that's not in Angie's like first team thinking kind of thing. And the thing with with Hoybier is it's he only needs an injury or two, and he's probably straight back in that first team lineup again. Um, and who knows, you know. I think people do like to get quite down on Hoybier and stuff, but actually, other than the odd backwards pass when he came on against United, I actually thought he did quite well against... And I, I'm sure he's an adaptable player, and I'm sure he could switch to the Postacoglu way without any issues if need be. Um, yeah, I just think contract-wise, whether it makes more sense for them to try to do a deal, and, and presumably, I guess he'd want to play in the Champions League and, and all that sort of stuff. And the fact that he's not starting matches at the moment and you've got like Saar and Skip ahead of him as well suggests that either that's the case behind the scenes that there's an awareness that he would be uh, happy enough to move on if a move materialised. I guess it's a bit like Kane, isn't it? Um, in that Kane was was happy to stay if need be, if nothing could be agreed, but obviously was all equally happy to move on if something could be. And I wonder if that's exactly the same with Hoybier. Um and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with, with Hoybier. But I mean, obviously, if him going would then naturally lend itself to looking at who would come in. Um, we know that like Conor Gallagher, that's one name. Obviously, Chelsea have suddenly flooded themselves with more midfielders. At the point, it looked like Conor Gallagher was going to start every game, and now suddenly they've got a lot more options again. So whether his situation changes in the last week or so, we'll see. Um, but, and then you look at someone, do you go some, something different like uh, like Eze at Palace? Um, big money, I think that clearly is going to be the issue and whether Palace really want to let him go, um, especially after tying down Elise and, and Zaha going, you'd, kind of, you'd want to keep Eze at your club. If, I, if I'm Palace, that's probably what I'd want to do and, and maybe it's something you look at in a year's time. But then there is the element that he is a CAA-based player. He is, you know, CAA-based, if you're not aware, they're the big agency that represent a lot of Spurs players, uh, first team, academy, and represent Postacoglu. So they've got Postacoglu, Sonny, Madison, Porro, Richarlison, 
Um, who else have they got? got another. Oh, they've just got Papo Matasar recently has signed up for him as well. Um, and yeah, so Eze is one of theirs. And actually, Alfie Devine, that we were talking about earlier, I think he's CAA based. So he's Dane Scarlett, a load of the talented youngsters are. Um, so yeah, there's that, I don't say ease of making it happen, but it's a pathway that's slightly less cluttered because it is an agency that is so um, strongly linked with Tottenham Hotspur. But yeah, I just wonder whether it's uh, whether it's too much money right now. And uh, would it as a, I know this sounds ridiculous and fans will be going, of course he would. Would it as a start every week in the Postacoglu? Or would he be the Madison rotation? I don't, I don't know. I it's mean, isn't who it? do you drop? Because there's some really, really good players in Tottenham's midfield. I think it's one of these. Until comes back as yeah, well. Yeah, I think it's one of the strongest in the Premier League. Obviously, he can play a bit further forward as well uh, on the wings, but there's great competition there, uh, you know, as well. And I think Man City have been linked with him over the past couple of days. So, I mean, that's going to be a massive pull if, you know, they can uh, get him because they can offer Champions League football a couple of medals uh, come the end of the season. But I think Eze would be a really, really good signing. It's just, would he play every week? But then again, I suppose you can say the same for a lot of the players at Tottenham because there's a lot of competition. There is, but are you more willing to have go into somewhere where there's more competition when it is like a Man City or something? And you think, well, at least I'm definitely getting silverware out of it. I suppose it's on the talk with Big Ange and, and how he sells a club, but yeah, I still think money-wise, is that the kind of deal that Spurs would do? Um, who knows? Who knows whether they want to make a late statement because of the Kane stuff. Um, may well have a, have a go. Their classic have a go. Um but yeah, I was trying to think otherwise in that central midfield area where there's a kind of a name that ends up coming out from left field uh, late on. But those are the two that we kind of constantly uh, are kind of hearing within the club and outside the club being um, being linked to maybe replacing Hoybier if he were to come to go to uh, Atletico. I mean, the Atletico situation itself is interesting because obviously they've had financial issues and whether they have to structure something in a certain way to even be able to afford him. I think they were hoping for some Saudi money coming in as well. I think they had two or three players that were interested because, was it, um, oh, what's his name? DePaul, wasn't it? Uh, was one that was linked, but I think the last on that was it had fallen through or it was a bit shaky whether that deal was even going to happen or not. Spurs could probably do with uh, Atletico getting some money in from somewhere if they are going to, have any hope of Hoybier going out the club? Um, moving on from Hoybier, Lloris. What happens to Hugo Lloris? I think he'll get his move. Uh, it's just strange that it's not happened so far. There's a lot of talk about uh, a transfer to Lazio, but it seems to be he'd be number two. And given his age, final few years of his career, surely he just wants to be playing uh so yeah a week to go for hugo to get his move i wonder if it it just gets to the stage maybe when it was like serge aurier and there was just maybe like a mutual termination of the contract because obviously larice has made it clear that he wants a new challenge he's one of the highest earners at the club so you need to move him on but because he's been such a long servant you want to do it right, don't you? By him, let him pick his club when the offers come in. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know how this one uh, will play out, but I think he will get his move. I'm not sure where, though. Yeah, it's. I guess the decision for Lloris to make is whether he goes somewhere. He'll want to go somewhere and be first choice. But a lot of the clubs, it sounds like, they've, or not a lot of the clubs, but some of the clubs, certainly Lazio was one of them, there was an indication that he might be going in there as potentially a second choice. And I guess you kind of wonder at this point in your career, is he ready yet to do that? Is he ready to go in somewhere as a, as a backup keeper? Obviously, there will be some point when he'll have to decide, do I become like a Fraser Forster and become like an experienced head backing up and helping a younger keeper learn? But yeah, I, you know, is is there a scenario where it stays at Spurs at all? But he's going to be second choice even if he stays. Exactly. So nah, I can't see that happening. I can't. I can't. I think, like you said, I think they would have to come to some kind of agreement. Um, and the Saudi window is actually is open later, isn't it? So I wonder if there'll be certain players that can't get a move anywhere, whether Premier League clubs will maybe hold fire for another week or two before making any contract decisions, see whether a Saudi club will come in. and Because let's be honest, even if a Saudi club came in and said, we'll take him off your hands, we won't pay a fee, but we'll pay all his wages, that still probably is more, well, it definitely is financially more beneficial to someone like Tottenham because Spurs then don't have to kind of pay him off in the last year of his contract or, or come to some agreement of it. Um, but it's obviously it's whether Hugo Lloris wants to go to Saudi League. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, Lloris, I do find it strange that what was it? Two was it June? Was it June that he publicly said that he wants to leave yeah, the yeah. club? Yeah, yeah. And now we're in almost the end of August, and he hasn't actually been able to find a club. That must be must be quite difficult for him, I'd imagine. You know, you're a World Cup winner, played in another World Cup final as well. Um, being up there among the best keepers in the Premier League for almost a decade, uh, well, 11 years he was at Spurs in all, um, but can't get himself a move anywhere yet. I mean, I go. I suppose I know he's got to pick the right one for his family, everything. I always thought he'd just go back to Nice. That was always going to be the plan, was to, to go back to his hometown club. Maybe there's not the scenario right now for him to be able to do that. Uh, maybe financially as well, it's it's not quite right. And the other one I thought was maybe he'd end up going to the MLS. Um, I think his wife's got a very successful kind of clothing line for children that is quite big in America. And I wondered whether that would tie in nicely with that. But that hasn't at this point come to fruition. Um, there's some talk that maybe the Lazio deal isn't dead completely. But then the reports in Italy kind of suggest that like Sarri, is it Sarri doesn't actually want him. And it's like, what? <laughs> Why would that deal even be happening kind of thing? Um, so, yeah, we'll find out what happens with Lloris. But the fact is, you know, he's no longer captain. Sonny's a captain. Spurs have moved forward without him. It's Vicario and Forster and, and Austin are clearly the goalkeepers. Um, he's kind of got to find a move. Um, can he move after, as well, uh, Saudi aside, if he's a free agent, is there a certain period after that he can move for before you register? I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, I imagine there'll be a squad deadline. In place, yeah, I think uh, Premier League, you'll need is to be like registered. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Let's yeah, just hope he gets his club before deadline day, so we're not into this, you know, the murky yeah. waters of that scenario. Uh, but yeah, let's see what happens yeah. with Hugo. Right, next player, Jed yeah. Spence. Oh, Jed, oh, Jed. 
What do you think then with Jed Spence? What does this next week uh, have in store for him? I think this is one scenario where <clears throat> Jed has to really decide what he wants to do. I think a lot of these are on the clubs coming in and whether any come in. With Jed, I think it's slightly the other way in that it's he needs to decide what he wants to be, not what he wants to be, but where he wants his career to go at this point. Because from what I understand at the moment, the only interest in him is from clubs in the championship and there's a little bit of interest from Italy as well. Um, and all the indications that I'd had so far um, is that he wants to really just stay in the Premier League. Um, and if there's no interest there, what does he do? You know, does he, is he, I guess, become quite comfortable with what he's got at Spurs in terms of, I'm sure he'll, you know, be earning a lot, lot more than he was when he was at um, Middlesbrough. Will he just be comfortable to sit? Because let's be honest, he's going to sit there and watch. Unless there's a major injury crisis, Jed Spence is nowhere in the pecking order, anywhere near Pedro Porro and Emerson Royale. He's just not. It's a deal that hasn't worked out in any shape or form for him or the club. Um, you know, the moment I knew it was all going wrong was when I asked, um, I was only asking Conte about transfers in general out in Korea last year. And he came out with that infamous, ah, the club want to buy him. You know, club, club, club wanted to bring him in. And it was just like, oh my goodness, this is all. And he hasn't even signed at that point. We had to kind of hold that over a, few, a couple of days until he actually had put pen to paper. Um, so he was already decided before the guy joined that he wasn't really a player that he wanted. Um, and then let's be honest, I can't put it all on Conte because he then didn't really impress. I mean, he went, he, yes, he didn't get many minutes for Spurs. He got, I think I totaled it up. It was about five minutes of normal time across four games. I looked at it, it was 89th minute, 89th minute, 89th minute, and then 88th minute <laughs> the Premier League came on for Conte. But then he went to Ren, played, I think it was 11 games in a row because quite cleverly, his, his people or Spurs picked a club where they knew both right backs were out injured, so they had to play him. As soon as one of those right backs came back, bang, Jed was out of the team. Uh, and I know he was the captain, to be fair, at Traore um, at Rennes. So it was probably more likely he was going to come in, but he just didn't even get a sniff after that. And then he obviously got the knee injury that, that took him um, back to Spurs. Then just hasn't impressed Postacoglu. Hasn't really made any mark at all. Um, we saw out in... Uh, Australia, Thailand, and Singapore, when they were doing the training, Jed was just part of the, we called them the bomb squad because they were the players that we imagined were being bombed out because they were in this little kind of group of five or six training while the two sets of 11 were playing each other in the practice matches before games, um, the night before an open training. And Jed was just there with the likes of Harvey White, Joe Roden. It was all the players and, and actually Eric Dyer. But I think Eric Dyer was more of an injury thing at that point. Uh, Tongi was another. It was all the players that essentially we're now looking to go out of the club. Um, so, yeah, Jed's got to really decide, I guess, what comes next in his career. Does he want to be a guy that's happy to just sit there watching on, um, comfortable in, I'm sure there'll be a very good contract for him? Or does he think, I'm 23 years old now, if I've got to step back down to the championship, you know, sometimes you've got to take a step back just to be able to make strides forward afterwards. And maybe that's what he needs, just to have a bit of a reset. Um, 
I think playing as a right back would be very good for him as well. I think this has been one of the issues. He was brought in very specifically to be a wing back for Spurs. And obviously they don't play with wing backs now. And there's been question marks about his defending and his ability to defend. And that was what came out in France as well. There were some suggestions that they may be the Bruno Genesio, although he does have a, a thing about trusting permanent players over loan players. The other issue was that maybe he felt that Jed's defending wasn't quite good enough to be in a back four. Um, although he did have a very good game at PSG, didn't he? It was Mbappe and Messi and the likes he was up against and they kept a clean sheet. But yeah, I get the impression that's that's something that he needs to kind of rid from people's perceptions of him. Um, and yeah, we'll see what happens with Jed. I, and it sounds awful, but I hope he goes. And hopefully people understand my meaning behind that. It's not, I hope he goes, I hate him, I want him out of the club. I want him to go because I think he, he needs the football. He needs to develop and he needs to, like I say, just do a bit of a reset on his career, really. Because I don't think Spurs, I think Spurs would be quite happy to let him go permanently, which is a sad indictment of a guy that only left, you know, sorry, only joined a year ago. But I don't think they'd get the money for him. So I'd imagine it will be a loan. Um, and it's about him adding value back onto his uh, himself. Oh, there you go. They've actually confirmed uh, Alfie Devine's move as well. That was very much in the advanced stages. So he is headed off to Port Vale. Um, let me just get that online. I think it is for the entire season. What do you think about Jed Spence while I'm looking out? Uh, Spence just needs to go for the sake of his own career. I think, what did he play? Probably around 16 games in all competitions last season. So yeah. the age where he needs to be playing week in, week out, he cannot afford another season where basically he doesn't play because then you're in this situation maybe where it's out of sight, out of mind, and that's going to impact him in 12 months' time. Clubs might not be there for him. So he's he's got to play. Uh, it, you can understand why you'd want to stay in the Premier League because obviously his, his goal will be to become a very good Premier League player and he needs that experience because he never got it at Tottenham. But if those offers aren't there, go down to the Championship again, show everyone you know why Tottenham signed you in the first place and you know if he can you know, have a huge, huge impact like he did at Nottingham Forest and that's only going to bode well for his career and there might be a move for him after that or potentially another opportunity for him at Tottenham but it's down to Jed he just needs to move he can't have a season not playing because it's just no good for him at all yeah not that age you can't you can't sit still really at that age Um, Alfie Devine is for the rest of the season to Port Vale so yeah good move for him yeah right we'll group the centre-backs together now Uh, Japatan Ganga Eric Dyer and Davinson Sanchez as well. I think we'd imagine Tanganga probably will be heading out of the door just because there's going to be no opportunities there for him really in the first team. Uh, he's not been in the squad so far uh, this season. I think there's been links with Luton Town in some land and there was talk of Everton uh, over the past few days. What I don't understand that link personally. I think there's Why better... Def- don't want him at Everton? I think there's better defenders already at the club. I don't really see him as an improvement on Michael Keane, personally. And I'm not Keane. No, and adding his injury history, I, it doesn't make sense for me, but there you go. Uh, 
so I think he'll he'll go. Uh, then it's the choice between Eric Dyer and Davinson Sanchez, and I think out of the two, I'd be looking at moving Eric Dyer on. Now Sanchez seems more suited to Ange Postacoglu's system, and he's been in the match day squad in both games. Eric Dyer hasn't. In terms of Dyer. I know he wants to probably stay and fight for his place at Tottenham. He's been at the club for, what, nine years now? Euro 2024 is on the agenda next summer. He was in England's World Cup squad and he's probably going to be an outside bet for the Euros. And obviously players like Levi Colwell and that will have jumped ahead of him uh, since the World Cup. But given he's still an outside bet, you know, Gareth Southgate is a big fan of him. He's been in you know, the vast majority of his squads in the past. Dyer needs to be playing if he wants to play for England at this Euro. So I'd be looking at moving on Dyer. And I think for him, he probably needs to move because he's just not going to play. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I know it's boring for people listening. It all comes down to the contract situations again, especially with Dyer and Sanchez. So Dyer and Sanchez are both now, what, in the last Yeah, last months? year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's only like 10 or 9 months left. It's not even that long. Um, and so with Eric Dyer, Spurs can't really loan him out. Because if you loan him out, essentially he's seeing out his contract. And also he... But he'd be willing to look at a, a loan move, from what I understand, but seems to be they're less kind of keen to do a permanent move. But then maybe that's because if the club aren't going to offer him a new contract, then maybe he's thinking, well, then I could leave on a free as a free agent next summer and I can maximise what I can get out of things. And I suppose that's his right to do. I know it frustrates fans, but I guess it is his right to do. If he's been there and it'll be a decade next summer and the club aren't going to offer him a new deal or he can't agree a new deal with them, then why shouldn't he have the right to decide, I suppose, what happens in his future? It's really difficult because I think, obviously... There's the element of fans being frustrated at Eric Dyer, not liking Eric Dyer, whatever. Uh, it was really interesting. We had leftover part of the interview he did on Delhi out in Singapore, which got used uh, this week. It was kind of good and unfortunate timing all in one because it was him talking about the fact that he never looks at social media, doesn't care about criticism on there. People can essentially say what they want and then they're shouting into an empty room because Eric Dyer isn't there and listening to them. So it doesn't really matter to him. Um, and he also said that, yeah, he, he wants to play. But again, we've got to kind of caveat that with the fact that he said this, what, um, three, four weeks ago before he'd been left out of entire squads. So yeah, I'm sure, like you said, with the Euros in mind, he said he wanted to play at the Euros. That yes, a move for him this season. I guess that's what it's going to come down to, isn't it? I think you've probably hit the nail on the head there. He's got to decide what's maybe more important to him. Is it trying to force his way back into the England team in time for the Euros? and Or is it creating a scenario for himself where next summer at 30 years old, he can get the best possible contract? That, I wouldn't... For a centre-back, you're unlikely to be the last big contract of your career at 30. You've probably got a bit longer. But certainly is going to be maybe the last most important contract, maybe you could say, of his career, biggest contract. So I completely could understand that way of thinking. But he's got to decide, I suppose, whether it's about the football or the finance. Um, and whether, you know, at this moment in time, 
he's one injury away from getting back in the Spurs squad. You know, if there's an injury this week to Van der Ven, Romero or Sanchez, it's Dyer on the bench. Um, as in Eric Dyer on the bench. It's not a, a Dyer situation on the bench. Um, yeah. And with Sanchez, exactly the same situation in terms of nine, ten months left on his contract. You know, we've said it before. I think he fits the Postacoglu system better purely because of his pace with the high line. I think it works for him. I do worry about Eric Dyer. And having seen that high line in operation now and how quickly Van de Ven, Romero and the fullbacks have had to rush back, I can't see Dyer being in that scenario. And I, I can understand as well why Clement Longley would not have fitted into it as well. Kind of beforehand, I was thinking, well, technique-wise, same with Dyer, you can see how they could work in it. But as soon as you really see it in operation, you need pace. You just need pace. And I think you would struggle. There'd be so many occasions where they'd be caught short. Or they'd have to maybe compromise with Vicario really coming quite high up the pitch to to really be such a sweeper keeper. Um, so, yeah, with Sanchez, again, we saw Spurs accepted a bid from Spartak Moscow. It was about 12 million. So that's the kind of figure. And I think despite the fact that he fits the system better, they can't afford probably to turn down bids. And if there is one that comes in for Sanchez and Sanchez feels he's going to play week in, week out there, then he's probably likely to go. Um, and like you say with Tanganga, interest in the Premier League, interest from Italy. This has always been the fascinating thing with Tanganga because his representatives, um, Italian uh, background or, or maybe even Italian, I can't remember. There's always been Italian clubs interested in him. And it's always quite... It was weirder to begin with. It's not so much now in recent years because of the kind of... Uh, amount of English players that have played out in Serie A now. It's it's kind of become a real thing. So, yeah. Can you can you see a scenario where all three go? Mm, no. I think one of the three will stay. Because surely yeah. if all, all three go, do you then need two defensive incomings? I think so. I think so. The only alternative is you bring in one and then you trust Davies and... Maybe Ashley Phillips to continue to yeah, develop. To be yeah. the, it's even that's a little bit iffy, though, isn't it? Even Davies is very much a makeshift centre back in a back four, especially, and and his height we saw in pre season kind of was the undoing of him as a centre back on a couple of occasions. And Ashley Phillips is very much a work in progress right now. He's training with the first team. Um, made his under twenty ones debut the other day as well. Oh, I should stress only because people have been asking me so much about it. Uh, Alejo Veliz, the young Argentinian striker that came on board, um, he is alive. He is playing with uh, training with Spurs. He's training with the first team. Um, he got his work permit. I've written that a million times, and people are still asking me, presuming he hasn't got his work permit. Got his work permit 24 hours after he joined. Him and Van der Ven got him at the same time. And yes, he is training with the first team. Has been training with the first team. But as Postacoglu said. I don't expect to see him for the first half of the season. It's going to be very much an adaptation, um, kind of six months, uh, six months, four months or so, five months, where he gets to know a very, very different culture, league and style of football and lifestyle and everything. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's a bit odd that we haven't really seen much of him in training photos. But from what I understand, he has been training with the first team. Maybe it's that they don't want to hype him up too much. Maybe they don't want to create, I guess, what happened around Jed Spence. Exactly a similar scenario where there's one player who wasn't ready yet, was being hyped up a lot. And, you know, 
I guess we have to kind of take our part in that as well. We were playing a role in that too, um, purely because the right backs weren't playing particularly well at the time as well. So, you know, maybe what you don't see becomes suddenly even more appealing. Uh, and with Valise, I guess it's because Spurs are struggling to score goals up top in the early games of the season. So Valise suddenly becomes this uh, wunderkind kind of thing, doesn't he? This amazing uh, wonder kid ready to come into the team, whereas I don't think he's quite at that stage yet. He had a good first season, uh, sorry, good last season in the Argentinian top flight. But yeah, it's a whole different ball game in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, sorry. It's just I had so many people ask me about that. I thought I'd give that a little answer out there. But I can't see all three going. I think one stays of the centre-backs and they bring in one more centre-back. Um, and who that is, we shall see. I mean, Per Schurz, obviously, Torino, heavily linked. And Spurs definitely like him. He's kind of one of those that's on their database lists where they're looking at good players to fit the Postacoglu system. Um, Tosin Adarabayu is an interesting one. There definitely has been a lot of interest in him. But from what I understand, there hasn't been any contact regarding him from Spurs in the last well, a little while anyway. That was as of, when did I last ask about him? Late yesterday. So unless something's happened today, there hadn't been any contact. But then we were saying this before we came on air, that would Spurs really be kind of pressing with a lot of contact over players they want to bring in when they really need to get them out first? I don't think maybe you're not. Maybe you're just kind of waiting to see. Maybe being asked to be kept updated on players like that in case something happens, like his move to Monaco does go through um, or doesn't go through. But ultimately, you're probably not pushing right now too much for players that you don't have the space for. Um, but yeah, we'll see with a centre-back situation. It's an area that definitely is the one that's probably likely to have the most movement, you'd imagine, in the squad. Yeah, uh, just quickly to say something on... Eric Dyer, before we move on to the midfielders, obviously mm. you said maybe a potential loan you could be interested in. Do you then get to a situation if if he goes on loan, extend his contract by 12 months just to retain the market value? I mean, that's what Brentford have done with David yeah, Raya, maybe. who joined Arsenal. I can't imagine that will go down too well with a fan base, but mm. right. We'll move on to yeah. the midfielders. Anyway, because we've already spoken about Hoybieg, but there's a couple more. Tongi on them belly and Harvey White. Harvey White's no squad number. There's so many midfielders ahead of him uh, in the pecking order. It's in the last year of his contract, permanent move. Don't think we need to say anything more on that. He needs a permanent move for the sake of his career, uh, just to play regularly. And then Tongi on them belly. This is going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the final week because he's a player who has undoubted qualities, but he's just not done enough uh, on his loan spell uh, with Leon with Napoli. So there should be interested clubs in him because he has all the talent in the world, but because he's not shown that, you know, the clubs really aren't queuing up at the door for his services. Yeah, Tongi. <laughs> I could do a podcast just on Tongi, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, we've said it um, previously that, you know, he has an impressed Postacoglu. Attitude, application, timekeeping, all rather lacking, unfortunately, from what we understand, and that hasn't gone down well. Um, it was interesting from clubs in Turkey, which at this point doesn't seem to have caught Tongi's attention. Um, 
yeah, again, I think he's got two years left, same as Hoybier. I think he is one that Spurs would probably accept a loan move for and try to get in an option to buy. But let's be honest, he's had options to buy in both of the last two loans and there's been no interest in actually having that being taken. Um, again, we've just got to come down to recruitment and you've got to look at that. And obviously with hindsight, it was very exciting at the time, but the more you researched into it and the more previous coaches had said about Tongi and the differing levels of his desire, I guess is probably the way to put it. Um, it clearly was, it was the record move for Spurs, one of their biggest earners and is, has to go down as their biggest flop of all time. I think, I think he has to, unfortunately, he's got incredible talent and I, He's one of those players that I love watching playing football. Absolutely adore watching him play football. But ultimately, there's so much more to being a top footballer than just having that natural talent. Um, yeah, I mean, the only two ways now, isn't it, really? Uh, Spurs are going to have to loan him out and cover a load of his wages or accept a vastly reduced fee for him and pay him off a chunk of his wages just to to get him out of the club. Um it's a shame. I really hoped he'd come back and have a kind of a fire underneath him to prove to Postacoglu that he could be part. And I still think a fully focused Tongi and Nibele in this system would have been really good. It would have really suited the midfield three. But alas, no. Um, and yes, his people, um, as long as he wants them to, have to work very hard, I think, to try and drum up enough interest for him and Spurs have to do the same. Right, before we move on to the strikers, Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? Yeah, if you're not aware by now, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world. That means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. A service that People know whenever I talk about Nord, it's something I use for many, many years before they came on board as a podcast sponsor for us um, because it's a really good service and it does everything you want from it. You can watch the shows that you'd watch back home that ordinarily, for some unknown reason, they restrict you from watching as soon as you go abroad. But with Nord, you can just switch your device to thinking it's still back home in the UK and you can watch all of these things. Or the other Earth part of it that's really good is it's ultra safe. It kind of locks down everything that you don't want people getting out of your device when you're using public Wi-Fi. So it's very good at that. And not only that, but the outlay on a NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. And that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So let's say you could book a flight from another country, and that could be cheaper too because you're buying it from that country. So it means you're paying out for Nord, but you're saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right. In terms of outgoings and potential incomings, Tottenham have uh, work to do in the final third ahead of the deadline next Friday, which is at 11pm. Two possible outgoings, maybe Dane Scarlett and then Brian Hill. Uh, you asked Ange Postacoglu about Dane uh, last week and he says he's gone to obviously decide on him. He's clearly impressed the manager in pre-season. I just wonder if it's one of these where 
a potential loan deal for Dane is dependent on an incoming in the final third because Tottenham don't have many out-and-out strikers at the moment, especially if Alejo Valiz is one for the future and he's not going to be playing. Uh, can't afford to leave yourself too short. So I wonder then if there isn't any incomings, uh, a new striker, potentially someone like Gift Orban, Brendan Johnson, then Dane Scarlett's your choice on the bench. Could be. Could be. Very briefly, before we move completely off defence, obviously Sergio Regalon as well. There's lots of... Yes. Uh, seems to be some interest from Spain in him. I think that's where his stock seems to be the highest still. Um, the biggest thing for Spurs, unfortunately, with Sergio Regalon is that he just had a nightmare of a season last season. He uh, went away, and if you weren't aware, had kind of... He went away with a... Uh, I can't remember if it was a groin or a hamstring injury... And that just wiped out the whole start of his campaign. Then he did come back. Then he was stuck in hospital for a little bit because he had stomach problems. And then he, I think he started maybe one, two games for Atletico Madrid at the moment. It wasn't many at all, especially in La Liga. So in terms of having a season for people to look at interested clubs, it's like, there's not really a sample there for them. But I think for what he'd done previously, there should still be a little bit of a market um, but again, another player they're not going to get anywhere. They spent about twenty-eight million on Sergio Regulon. Um, they're not going to get that back. So you'd imagine with a couple of years left on his deal, and again another one where it's a loan to try and build up his value, maybe to try and sell him in his final year. Um, but yeah, back to the attack. Um, yeah, I did ask about Dane, and, and Postacoglu was very positive on him. Um, really, kind of has been impressed with what he's seen. And he told me, yeah, this week essentially is the week that he was going to decide whether he needs to head off on a loan, a bit like Alfie's just done. I mean, Dane was at Portsmouth last year, started well, got six goals or so under his belt, um, but then they had a change of manager. John Massino came in, replaced Danny Cowley and just didn't fancy him at all, just didn't really want to play this kind of young kid. And we had this strange point where he was talking about maybe playing him out as a left winger and that was where his future lay. And it was a bit like, I don't think Spurs see that or Dane sees that, but you know, and yeah, it didn't really play much towards the end of the season at all. So if he is going to be loaned out, he needs a good loan move. He needs one where he is going to play week in, week out and have the chance to score goals. Um, and like I say, we've just seen Troy Parrott yesterday, uh, head out as well. Troy's gone to Excelsior Rotterdam. Um, do you think it's a good move for him? I think that's the kind of football that will suit. He's a very good technical player, Troy, and I think that will suit him nicely. It's the club where Marcus Edwards went, wasn't it? Um, it was. Before he yeah. It was actually, I think he then left Spurs. <laughs> I don't know if that's hopefully not a kind of a, a pointer to what's to come, but I think it is good for Troy. I think it's a league where we'll get to see now, and this is with no disrespect meant to the Eredivisie. But if Troy is going to be a goal scorer and wants to be seen as a goal scorer, and I know Excelsior aren't one of the big teams in the, in the Netherlands, but he should be able to score in the Eredivisie. He should. If he wants to kind of... I know he's only 21, so I'm essentially... <laughs> I hope I'm not trying to make out his career is like it's a um, stick or twist just by this one move. But I do think he should be able to score more than he did at Preston last season. Um, he only got a couple, didn't he? Was it four maybe in all? Something around that. But he was injured yeah. for a few months. He was. He was in the middle. Yeah, he was in the middle of the season, missed a, a few, a couple of months. But still, I think it's a part of his game is he was so prolific as a kind of young striker in the academy at youth international level as well. And he's got a few goals for Ireland. I think he's got maybe 
three, four goals for Ireland as well at a senior level. I think now is is the time to push on. Um, I still think with Troy, there's this hope that he can convince at Spurs. Um, he's He was unfortunate this year that he had this little groin injury that stopped him being in consideration for the tour. And then Postecoglou didn't get to have a real look at him there. And then he wasn't handed a squad number, same as Harvey White. Um, and now, yeah, he's got this lone move. And and I think there's still this hope within him that he has a really good season there, comes back next summer and says, like, look at me. Look what I've done. Have a little look at what I can do. Um, and I'd, I'd love that to be the case because I think there is a, a talent there. It's just about developing, isn't it? This is the crucial stage for him now about what kind of striker becomes, whether he does end up becoming a Premier League striker or whether he ends up becoming a Football League player or one that maybe plies his trade abroad. Um, and again, it always comes down to how much they want it. And uh, I've always been impressed with him. Whenever I've spoken to Troy in interviews and stuff, he's he had a bit of a um, kind of, it was it MK Dons where he had a bit of an awakening season, wasn't it? About halfway through, he admits himself that he just realised what it took to be a professional footballer. So I guess he was maybe playing a little bit catch-up in the last 18 months sort of trying to get to where he needs to be. And those... That time in the championship will have done in wonders last year as well in terms of maturing and understanding how difficult the game can be. I think a lot of young players come out of academy football thinking they, not saying that this is the way he was looking at it, but I think a lot of academy players do see it as, well, this is going to be easy, isn't it? I've scored this many goals. I've done this in the academy. It's just going to be the obvious next step for me. And they suddenly realise, actually, no, only a few players can do that. Everyone, regardless, has got to work incredibly hard to make that step up. And I think that's the thing for Troy now. It's um, it's a a good move for him in terms of experience, new country, learning very different ways. And the Dutch football, like I say, is very technical. Um, and hopefully gets lots of game time, scores lots of goals. But yes, it does mean that at the moment, Dane Scarlett is that main option um, as the backup option. You've got Richardson through the centre. You've got Sonny through the centre as well. I'd imagine that they will bring in another player who can also play through the centre if needed before the window shuts. And I think that will probably see Dane go out on loan. That's my thinking. Who would you like to see come in? Uh, I'm not against Brendan Johnson. I think that'd be... Not at all. I'm really surprised by some of the reaction on social media to that. I'm really, really surprised. I think he's such a good young player. And I think I saw Cooper saying, didn't he say in his um, press conference yesterday, where would we be without Brendan Johnson? I was yeah. really surprised. Is it, is it maybe the stigma because he's at Forest and he's playing a, a team that maybe where he isn't going to get lots and lots of goals? I don't know. Maybe, but if, say, Brendan Johnson was playing for Ghent, like Gift Orban is, then I'm sure everyone would be, you know, loving it and trying to bring him into the club. Uh I can't argue with you. I can't argue. It's a funny way, isn't it? Yeah, How many yeah. people have actually seen Gift Orban playing football? Exactly. And this didn't... is not to say, again, we should stress, because people get very upset sometimes when we say stuff like this. Gift Orban is a talent, and he could be a terrific player. And if he comes to Spurs, we would be very excited about it. But there definitely is this strange bias, almost, towards players that people haven't seen play. And again, we go back to Jed Spence and Valise and players like that coming in. And it's the same idea. What you don't know is more exciting than what you do know. And there's no often there's no real kind of data to support that. Like you say, absolutely. Brennan Johnson plays up top in the Belgian league. He probably scores a hell of a lot of goals as well. Yeah. Uh, I'd sign him. I think he did really well 
uh, at Forest the season that went up. Then I think last season he had 10 goals, three assists in all competitions. He's a player who suits Posta Coglu down to the ground, you know, due to his attributes. 21-year-old? 10 goals for 21-year-old yeah, yeah. in their first Premier League season. Is that a bad thing now? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, especially <laughs> Forrest was struggling for probably first half of the season. It was really second half where they turned it on and got themselves out of trouble. But he's got all the attributes to be a Posta Coglu player. You know, he's so quick, really good on the ball, skillful. He's versatile. You can play him on the right wing. You can play him behind the striker. You can operate as a central striker. I know Postacoglu said a couple of weeks ago, hinted at potentially not signing an out-and-out number nine to replace Harry Kane. Maybe this is the future under him at Spurs, having more of a, a fluid front three, and I think that would Absolutely. work with Johnson. That, yeah, I think that'd be a, a really, really good signing. And I think yeah. Gift Orban would be a good signing mm-hmm. as well. But Brennan Johnson, someone who is who's got a years worth of Premier League experience under his belt, Postacoglu can take made. him. Yeah, can take him on to even greater levels. Hundred percent. I think that'd be a really good signing. Yeah, and this is a player that Spurs have looked at for a while. Perhaps she would uh, would look at him and and, and follow his uh, scout him at the same time as you scout Jed Spence and James Garner, who's gone to your lot. Um, this season as well. How's he doing? Is he doing all right? He's a very good player, James Garner. Yeah, he's, he's just one of our best players. Yeah, well, there you brilliant. Go. Some might suggest that Fabio Paracci maybe knew what he was doing. Who knows? Well, <laughs> some maybe in the Italian FA, that uh, Football Federation, that don't think that. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I really like Brennan Johnson. I've always really liked him. And again, when we come back to the bias thing, maybe it is when they're from the UK as well. Are foreign players more exciting to football fans? Maybe there's an element of that. And again, I really don't... This shouldn't be a an Orban versus Johnson thing. That's kind of exactly what I'm saying it shouldn't be because I think Gift Orban, again, I would be very excited to see him. But everyone I've spoken to that covers the Belgian League says exactly the same things. He would need time. Yes, he's very exciting. You watch all the YouTube clips. You see him operate in... I think it's Conference League as well. He's played in um, as well. And and yes, he's an incredibly exciting, raw talent. But there's a lot to his game. And mainly it's the physical side of his game, which of course would be tested far more in the Premier League that he would have to work on. And the thing with Johnson is, yes, he's more expensive, but he is a guy that now knows the Premier League inside out. And he knows a championship. And he has got so many of the qualities that Postacoglu looks for. And if I'm Postacoglu, and it certainly seems to be suggestions that Postacoglu is very is in favour of Brennan Johnson coming in, and I can understand why. I think the key now it's the price tag, and it's you know there's talk about upwards of 40, 50 million for him, which is a lot, and it is as people call it the Premier League tax, definitely added on the homegrown tax. Um, but then if Gift Orban is there's talk of maybe thirty to forty for him. And then you're kind of going into that scenario where they're not too far different in their, their price tags and and is one a more of a ready-made bet. Um, Gift Orban more the central, more regularly central attacker, whereas Johnson obviously has played mainly on the right for Forrest but has obviously operated through the centre as well. Um, I, I, like you say, everything Postacoglu said seems to lead away from trying to sign a number nine type Spurs very quickly distanced themselves from Lukaku. The Vlajevic stuff doesn't seem to have gone anywhere at this point, this stage. Um, and I just wonder whether 
yeah, the money goes more towards a winger type who can also play through the center because you know you've got Richarlison and Sonny that can play through the middle. Um, and if you get to January and definitely you realize, okay, it hasn't worked out with Richarlison, that's maybe when you try to move for another central player. But um, yeah, the coming days will will reveal the answer to that. But I really was surprised when I see the Brian Johnson stuff. I think it maybe is just so many people have got themselves excited about Gift Orban that suddenly this other option who, like you say, scored 10 goals last season rather than whatever, 2021. But maybe people not taking into account that, well, it's the Premier League, which is far harder. And he wasn't playing centrally for a lot of that as well. And yet he's still got 10 goals in his first Premier League season. Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I'd be very happy with either of those two coming in. They'll be very exciting. And I think there'll be other names that pop up as well because Spurs have a list of kind of data-led targets and ones that Postacoglu would be very happy to have in as well that fit his system. He said it himself. Don't let anyone think that he doesn't decide exactly who will make his squad by the time that transfer window closes. He knows exactly who he wants, who fits his system, and he will have made that very clear. Sounds like he's got a good little relationship going with Leonardo Gabonini, the chief scout, and he and Postacoglu kind of working with Daniel Levy to get stuff done. Spurs desperately need this director of football to come in, though. I mean, Scott Munn will obviously come in as chief football officer, hopefully next month. Um, but that's not the Paratici role. That's not the director of football role. That still needs to be filled. Um, that little link between... Gabonini, Postacoglu and Levy. Um, and yeah, we shall see what, what they manage to work out in the meantime. Yeah, uh, Postacoglu's made such a market Tottenham already, such a short space of time. If he wants a player and he believes that player is best for the team, for the system, you know, back him, trust him. I think you've got Absolutely. to. Right, you've got to head off in a couple of minutes to Andrew yeah. Postacoglu's press conference ahead of the Bournemouth game. So quickly obviously we're not sure if James Madison's going to be involved yet who comes in for Madison if he's not fit it's got to be Lo Celso it yeah. has to be really for me I mean he might spring a surprise and, and maybe go put Sar Skip and Basuma together but you would think surely of any time this is your every preseason game Lo Celso was the alternative to uh, Madison in every second half. We'll find out the exact details on Madison um, in this press conference in, in a couple of hours. The early indications appear to be that whatever happens is likely to be a doubt for this weekend's game. So they would imagine that Lo Celso comes into the frame. I saw there was some was it Spanish media reports suggesting that, you know, he's not happy at the game, lack of game time and this sort of stuff. But the trouble is, is if you're the alternative to Madison and you're playing that left, Madison's got to come off the pitch for you to get on it. And that's kind of as I think he will play. And I think he'll play a fair bit of football this season, the Celso as well. And also, Madison has had some injury issues in recent years, you know. So there will be times when he was going to be called upon. So I would hope that the Celso, after two games, has not decided his future needs to be elsewhere. Um, and especially if he gets to play um, on Saturday tomorrow now. He'll, um, I think he'll make uh, make a good account for himself as well, give a good account of himself because he's looked really good in the Postacoglu system. He's looked one of the brighter players in pre-season. Personally, that would be the only change I'd make if it needs to be changed. Otherwise, I'd stick with everything else. Even Pedro Porro, 
I think if it had been an away game, maybe against a team that was absolutely going to constantly threaten Spurs at the back, then maybe I would have considered Emerson. But I think with Bournemouth, you can maybe get away with having Poro going down that right side, especially after a very good defensive display against Man U as well. He deserves all of the plaudits for that, Poro. Really does. Yep. I think I'd keep things the same. I'd love Emerson to come back in and just shoot over the stand as he did last year in the game at the <laughs> Vitality Stadium. But no, nah, I think Porra deserves to keep his place in the team. Right. Thank you as ever for tuning in to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham. Uh, we'll be back next week. So as ever, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You can find the link in the episode description box.